0: On today's episode of The Bolts Broadcast, on to Toronto. Season 4, episode 52 of The Bolts Broadcast, Mike Mitchelson and Chase Croshaw with you today. Chase, how are you on this lovely easter sunday
1: i'm um, i'm doing good i'm just chilling happy easter to you and all those who celebrate it um, you know it was a nice easy day for me just got to chill watch the masters had you know had a nice burger for dinner you know try, trying to trying to lose weight over here because i'm a rather large fellow for anybody who knows me um uh so just you know watching my weight and you know like burger meat can can be kind of tough on um when it when it comes to like the fats and stuff. But we found some like ninety um some ninety ten uh, like lean meat and it was actually you know pretty pretty low in terms of the fats and stuff so got to make myself a nice meaty burger. It was very tasty. And other than that, yeah, just been a been a nice peaceful day with sunshine and too. How about you, Mike? Uh
0: great day, man. What a time to be alive right now. Sixty degrees down here in Indy. It's supposed to be seventy okay. all week. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, The family came down for Easter. Uh, Originally from Michigan, they came down to Indy to visit me, and we had a good weekend. They came down Friday, got to hang out with them Friday night, Saturday night, and then uh, we had brunch this morning before they departed. So I've been alone the last half of this Easter. Um, My roommate is back up in Michigan himself, so I had a nice frozen pizza for dinner. But... uh, It's been a good day. Can't complain whatsoever, and it's going to get even better because we got some great stuff to talk about here on the Bolts broadcast. And then, I mean, you and I, big into the prospect scene. If you haven't been aware on our other show, We're Not Professionals, we have been diving into prospect profiles on this year's NFL draft. Well, this next episode is the finale of our prospect profile, so absolutely cannot wait for that episode as well.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. Two good days of podcasting. Uh, there, there is a lot to talk about, as you mentioned. Uh, that'll, that'll be great for the second show. Just finishing that up. Went through 155 NFL draft prospects total. Still going to watch some more as as we get closer to the draft, too. And now, now you know, once this process goes by, I'm super excited for the NFL draft. And then I can officially get on to the NHL draft, too. And, you know, I'm just... I love this time of year when I can finally start diving into film and stuff. It's just, it's the best, really.
0: It's fantastic. And playoff hockey right around the corner as well. Ooh, just cannot wait for everything that is coming down the pipeline. But on this episode of the Bolts broadcast, going to be talking briefly about the Frozen Four, talk about the winner, uh, talk about the last couple of games Tampa has played as well as have on the schedule. And then after the commercial break, talking about some news from around the league as well as talking about the Hobie Baker Award winner. It's going to be a great episode. Let's start off first. The Frozen Four took place down in Tampa. And, well, Chase, you and I both rooting for the home state team. They didn't happen to win it. However, the team that took them out did.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Michigan's officially cursed. They can't win any uh, of the major sports championships. They've been competitive in just about every single sport that that, that campus like, offers, whether it be. You know, football, hockey, basketball, baseball, volleyball, like literally everything that they have, they're, they're competitive in. And they're just not getting kind of getting over the hump here. When it comes to the major viewership sports like football and basketball and hockey, they're just, they're so close, but always so far away. And I, I think that, honestly, this kind of might be like, not not like it for them, but kind of like you know the beginning of the end of maybe getting all these high end prospects. You know they've got nice easy access to the um, U.S. program because they play just a couple minutes from each other, so they get a bunch of guys from there. But now that people see, all right, they have 14 draft picks and three guys that can get drafted, and they're still not winning. All right, maybe we need to go elsewhere. So that's a tough blow for Michigan. Uh, Quinnipiac just they, they just looked better in that game. Like Michigan didn't look very good, so we get on, and then the other side. Uh, of of the pool too. I'm not talking about as much, but Minnesota beats BU. Nothing shocking there. So when we get to this um this game between Minnesota and Quinnipiac in the final, it was a close game. It was pretty entertaining. Two to two, basically. You know um not all the way through, but it was a tight game all the way through, and that ended up being two two there. Um in the third period, it gets to overtime. Seven seconds into overtime, we we got got an OT winner. Uh, just a designed kind of set like center ice play. Uh, where Quinnipiac wins the draw, he goes back to the D-Man and puts it up to the right winger. He finds the left winger just kind of crashing into the net, puts on his backhand, scores. So that, that's always the worst way to lose when you guys sit there, you got a 15-20-minute ice cut, then you go out there seven seconds. Like I'd almost rather just lose in regulation, like I don't on a buzzer beating goal, because that's tough. But then before, um, you bring in your analysis. I do have to mention the celly I I'm f- for life of me forgetting the guy who scored the goal. So I apologize, but his celly was absolutely electric Did the old team was Solani threw his glove up, shot it in the air before he threw his other glove and stick up. It was awesome.
0: Yeah. And the whole time you got his teammates surrounding him, which made the celly even better. But going back to the Michigan thing real quick. Uh, I mean, they've been cursed for a while. It seems like, and it's not even to the point of them getting to the championship matches because While they have done that here and there, it feels like they always, I don't know, maybe they're looking too far ahead towards the championship. We saw them lose to Georgia last year in the semifinals in football. We saw them lose to TCU this year in the semifinals, and we see them lose this year in the semifinals in hockey to Quinnipiac. So I don't know if they're just looking too far ahead or what exactly is happening, but it does feel like Michigan is quite cursed. And then, man... That that game between Quinnipiac and Minnesota, I believe Minnesota was up two to one, weren't they? And then late in the third, uh, Quinnipiac tied it up, and then sent it to overtime. And then we know what happened in overtime. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly what happened. And yeah, you know, it's yeah, that's a tough way for Minnesota season, and they were so good throughout the year. A bunch of high end NHL uh, draft picks, just draft prospects in general, I should say, uh, between Logan Cooley, Matthew Nice, especially. Uh, Matthew Nye signs a contract today. Uh, might as well throw that in while we're here. Uh, t- tough, heartbreaking loss yesterday, but at least he gets to kind of make his dreams come to come true, get that NHL contract, maybe get in some games um, down the stretch. So it was tough for Minnesota to lose that way, kind of blow it there at the end, um, let up early in OT. And it, it, it just, yeah, all you can do is kind of hope they bounce back next year, at least for them. But losing a piece like Matthew Nye is probably Logan Cooley. That, that's definitely going to sting.
0: Yeah, and for those who don't know, Matthew Nye is a – 57th overall pick by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So what are the odds that we could potentially see Maddie Nyes against our Tampa Bay Lightning in round one?
1: So it's definitely there. Um, and a corresponding move to signing him today, they ended up sending down um, Wayne Simmons. So they're definitely making room for Maddie Nyes to at least get games in the regular season, see what he can do. I would imagine as long as he holds up well, or even just like solid, he finds playoff games. Um, if he struggles, you know, maybe they they send him down to the Marlies. Maybe they keep him around for the player front. I don't know, but I, I would say there's actually a pretty decent chance we see him in some games, which will be exciting to watch a new player in the league. But if if he, you know, he had a strong season, he, he won Big Ten Player of the Year, didn't finish the finals for the or didn't win the hobie Baker, I should say, um, and also lost National Championship. Maybe that lights a little bit of a fire under his ass and maybe he comes out flying. I don't know for for our our case you know for like you know how we feel over here if we're going against him hopefully that that's that's not the case but regardless it'll be fun to see i always enjoy watching new players come into the league and seeing what he can do hopefully he puts on a show here to end the season for toronto and then playoffs you know maybe, maybe he can take a break
0: yeah it'd be exciting to see him go against tampa but i think that uh while there is that possibility player comes in and has uh all the momentum in the world you know trying to fight back from a a hard loss in the championship and really going for it. I think there's also that case of a very young player on the biggest stage in Toronto against one of the best teams in the league. It's a different environment. I know Minnesota college hockey, Minnesota high school hockey even is absolutely absurd, but being in front of a playoff Toronto Maple Leafs crowd against the Tampa Bay lightning that's still a different being in itself. So you could potentially see a Maddie Nyes a little bit uh, uncomfortable in his first couple of games and maybe he doesn't look the best, which would help the Tampa, Tampa Bay lightning. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and even if he does and you know, it goes on, and has a great career odds are you're going to be uncomfortable like entering the league a- anybody. Cause you know, when you're talking about the crowds playing in that Minnesota, you know, like high school state tournament, that when they played at the XL Center, which next year they're not going to anymore, it's a shame. But when they when they did that in the past years, it would sell out all the time. It, it it would be full. So when you know when you're playing in that environment, if if you're you know a guy like Matthew Nice, you're you're the top dog. So you're not really not really worrying because like you, you know you're going to be elite. It doesn't matter the people in front of you. But once you get to the National League, all of a sudden it, you're just you're not the best player on your team. It, it's very 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 rare someone steps onto their team and becomes the best player immediately. So it's it's gonna be a little bit um you know jarring is he gonna like be you know awestruck or something I don't know, but it's definitely gonna be a little bit of a oh wow this is this is legit to start off
0: Yeah and we'll talk about Tampa versus Toronto a little bit later on in the episode as well as we will preview their upcoming playoff series uh probably in the next episode if not the one after that. So it's gonna be exciting to talk about but Chase, we have to talk about some stuff that, Hasn't been so exciting. After Tampa has clinched, uh, they have not had the best couple of games after that. However, we have been making sure our players are healthy, not being seen uh, a full lineup through and through. But two losses uh, from the Islanders as well as the Senators puts us on a three-game losing streak here.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, a couple guys aren't going, so it, it makes you feel a little bit better. About it, but it's still there, there's a couple games where you want to win. You want to be able to beat the centers, of course, letting up seven goals never feels good, regardless of who's in the lineup, who's in net, just doesn't feel good. And then when you drop the New York games, going back to back, um, facing New York day one, definitely a, a tough opponent, and going against the Islanders, or did I say facing New York day one, facing the Rangers day one, definitely a tough opponent. Then go against the Islanders in day two, even if they're not as strong as the Rangers, they're still a good team, they're, they're still a playoff level type of team and you're going, you know, back to back. So it's always a little tough, but seeing the performance in Ottawa, was definitely a you know, a little, little disappointing, but all you can hope for is that, you know, there's two games left. We're going to see Toronto here on Tuesday. Hopefully um, you know, that's kind of going to set the tone for what the playoff series is going to be in, in our favor and then go against Detroit, get a little bit of confidence and then roll.
0: Yeah. And I, I just got to say that anyone who's been watching the show, for a while knows my feelings towards the Islanders. Um, I, I think generally our feelings towards the Islanders, mine might be a little bit more heated, but in general, not our favorite team. And when you just keep rooting for, uh, you know, Tampa, and then I even went out and rooted for Philly yesterday, and it the job just doesn't get done. It makes my fire burn even hotter. So I am just hoping and praying that the Islanders miss. I, I mean, I don't think any of the teams in the running are going to do a lot of damage. You got Florida, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. I think the Sabers officially got eliminated last night. Um, I don't think any of those three teams are going to do damage. But if I want to watch exciting hockey, I don't want to watch the Islanders. Give Crosby one last chance. I mean, we see the team around him. It's not good. Um, and. While we're talking about Crosby, uh, he hits 1,500 points in his career, which is fantastic. What what number is that, 15th or 16th player of all time to do that?
1: Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but it's one of those two.
0: So I, I would just love to see him be able to get another shot because I'll be honest with the team, how it's looking right now, I don't foresee them being a playoff team year in, year out for the rest of his career. And who knows how long that is. He's sitting at 35 now, I think. So give him one more shot. Get rid of the Islanders. They're boring. No one wants to watch them. But when you look at the overall schedules, it feels like Florida might be the odd one out. The Penguins and the Islanders have two easy games remaining, while Florida, they've got a little bit of a tougher schedule. So... That's just my, my thoughts on the overall wild card in the East.
1: Smell you later, Florida. We, we, we run the state, not you, so they can kick rocks. I, I do hope that Pittsburgh gets in. Um, and if, if it is Florida, whatever, because I, I agree with the Islanders. They're just like, I don't like the jerseys. I don't like the logo. Just kind of doesn't sit right with me, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, it, it would be cool to see Pittsburgh do a little bit more, give Crosby one more shot, but at the end of the day, when it comes to our Lightning facing them, I'm obviously going to be pulling for our Lightning and maybe even a couple other teams here in this playoffs. So like, like, give me give me the Devils over them, too, because that, that would be awesome. But if Pittsburgh does go on a run, they end up winning the Cup, like, I wouldn't be – like, I'd be upset that Tampa doesn't win, of course, but I also wouldn't be, like, angry because like it would be cool to, to see him get one more.
0: Yeah, it's not one of those where you're going to be incredibly angry about the situation – Whereas, you know, if the Islanders go on or hell, even the Bruins, they're having a fantastic season, but at the same time, I'd still be pretty pissed if they went on to win the cup. Um, Yeah. But overall, we'll see what happens. But I do want to get into this Toronto game a little bit more. It's our game on Tuesday. What should we expect out of this game? Is it going to be a lot of people not in the lineup? Is it going to be, you know, both teams showing their hand before playoffs? What are we going to all see in this game? How does it unfold?
1: So honestly, if it were me and I were, I were John Cooper, what I would do is, you know, I'll, I'll play my stars. won't give them a ton of minutes, but like, give, you know, give them 15, just, just keep the juices flowing or so maybe even a little bit less if you want. I wouldn't play too many of my gritty guys. So like, you know, like the Patty Maroons, like the Tanner Cheneaux's, uh um, the Corey Perry's like those types of guys, I wouldn't really play, maybe not even dress them. just, just leave out the, the physicality, make sure that they don't know what to expect in terms of that part of the game. Cause that's, that shit really matters in the playoffs. So leave them out. Uh, let a couple guys that, you know, don't play as much, maybe give Ross Colton 25 minutes, just see, see what he does. Like, you know, that, that, that's the type of thing that I, that I would do. Um, and just see, see who performs well. See who looks like the depth guy that's going to step up this year. Cause each Tampa, when they've had a depth guy step up. So if, if we can find that guy that looks like they might kind of have something going for him, that would be huge And then. Toronto, what they're going to do, I've got no idea, but if, if we can kind of save those those physical players and really hit them game one, game two in Toronto with, with that physicality, I think that could be a good kind of shell shock type of thing.
0: Do you try to protect your bigger players at all? Maybe give them a little bit less time on ice, your Kucherov's, your Stamkos, yeah. only give them maybe 12, 13 minutes.
1: yeah. A hundred percent. You know, even, even Brandon Hagel, like, like just, just try, try to keep them off. Like brain, brain point. I don't even know if I mentioned him or not. Um, just like, hell dude, even even Victor Hedman and Mikhail Surgachev, just like, just try, try to just let, you know, let let these types of guys just sit, just let, let your depth go. If they play 28, 30 minutes, like whatever, you can, you can let them do the same thing in Detroit. They're not going to play much in the playoffs. It's going to be more of your top guys and still some of your depth too. So if if they get a little bit of work, then it, it is what it is. But, I wouldn't want to show your cards too much because maybe they can game plan a bit differently once the playoff comes, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an exciting last two games. However, not as exciting as the playoffs are once they kick off. We'll be talking about that more in our next episode, but that's going to do it for our first half. We're going to be talking about some news from around the league in the next half as well as talk about the Hobie Baker Award winner. From T to Green, the best place to go to get in on all the action happening on the links. Is the DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers will receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000 to any pre tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So, for example, if you're a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that golfer up to 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odd boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. Now that the weather's warmer and the dimpled balls are being smacked, I've got my eye on the legendary lefty Phil Mickelson. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and boost your odds during this weekend's tournament. That's code THPN. Only... On the DraftKings Sportsbook, shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show, Chase. You've been watching the Masters at all? You've been seeing my boy, oh Phil
1: Mickelson. Yeah, dude, it's freaky how much weight he's lost. He looks like a completely different human being. Yeah, it, it real it really freaks me out. But you he, he almost he, he almost had a good call there, honestly. Phil had a big day, while some of the top golfers had a kind of kind of rough day. Phil finishes tied second with Brooks Koepka. Kepka just kind of pissed away his lead. Should have been his tournament to lose, and actually it was his tournament to lose, because he ends up falling four strokes shy of John Rahm, who ended up winning. 12 under. A great performance by him. As Brooks Kepka went three over on the day. Eww. If all he had to do was go one under, which is very reasonable for the way he's played this weekend, and they would have been in a playoff. But three over. Just, that's brutal. And and your boy Phil went 7-under on the day. If he had a better weekend to start, like, he would have been the winner. He would have made an absolutely unbelievable call there. And I got a question. Did you add the dimpled balls part, or was that in the ad rate already?
0: Uh, maybe I added that. I don't know.
1: Because, like, uh, you know, that, that, that seemed like a very... You know, inside term that that like you know me, you, and a couple of other buddies use too. So I was I was very surprised. That's hilarious, but nonetheless, um, yeah, no, Phil Phil did a great job. Um, you know, I got to say shout, shout out to to the young golfer Sam Bennett, not the hockey player, the golfer. Um, you know, he he was the amateur, one of the amateurs that um ended up making this tournament. He he did very well actually. He ended up making the cut all the way through, got to the final day. Uh, you know, fell fell a little bit short he if i'm not mistaken he did not qualify in the top 12 which means that you know he does not have an automatic bid into the tournament next year which is a shame but you know he did very well i ended, ended up finishing two under at the masters you know just as an a- amateur so like that's that's huge but really it's like today was the one day that i r- really watch as i tend to do with these tournaments and phil was killing it, it would have been cool to see him kind of sneak out with that one but he didn't
0: yeah it would have been cool as well as uh Would have been nice to see Tiger get through the whole thing, but he unfortunately pulled out due to injury. Uh, You could tell that he was laboring quite a bit on that leg, but uh, nonetheless, golf is here, and I'm ready to get my clubs out, but, uh, you know, with work, who knows what's all going to happen. However, there is a par-3 course only five minutes from my work. I've talked to the boss a couple of times, and he said, maybe we just say screw lunch one day a week, and... You know, a couple of us just go up to the par three and hit some balls around for an hour.
1: Dude, par threes are fun because like you don't have to worry about taking it super seriously. They're all obviously shorter holes, so you can just go hit a couple balls. You'll get through it a lot quicker. Par threes are fun, so that would be cool.
0: Also, I don't have to bring out my terrible driving skills because gosh, dude, dang, dude, I can. I got the short game. I don't have the putting game. I'm terrible at that too. But when I when it comes to my driver. The amount of slicing I do is unreal. It's horrible.
1: And you know, granted, I can't, I haven't been able to golf in a while because of because of some health stuff. But when I could golf, I could drive the ball pretty well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not hitting it 250 plus by any means. but like, you know, for for someone that didn't golf a lot, I was I was safely hitting that thing. You know, 180, 200. When it came to my short game, it would. Just game over. If, if I wasn't on a par three, then like I, I was shooting seven over because it, it would take me seven shots to get through the fairway. And then I'd always like one putt, sometimes two putt, because I'm great at putting as well. So if you just eliminated the short game, oh, man, I would be world class.
0: So what I'm hearing is we would be a lethal best ball team.
1: Oh, a hundred percent! Like no, no one. I mean, maybe a couple people with <laughs> that, tapas that were in this <laughs> But anyway, we would play against the us. Yeah, we're a- not top us.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, Chase, let's continue on in the episode, and we'll start by saying hi to our friend Jason McCrimmon again.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna keep saying it until the voting closes. Y'all better get you on your phones right now. Um, there's still a week left, as if you guys listening, it'll be six days. But. Ah, uh, go vote for Jason McCreynan for the Willie O'Ree. You, you can go do it on the NHL's website. We're we're polling for Jason, polling for him, man. It, it would be so cool. Um, and you know, regardless, it's still an honor to get to this point, as I mentioned. And the people that you know, all three that are finalists, it, it's huge, but really pulling for Jason that 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 would be super cool so make sure Jason McCrimmon uh you can do one a day or one every 24 hours technically so make sure to to vote at the right time so you're not missing out on a couple days
0: yeah and I forgot to do it today so uh putting in my vote right now for him uh love to see the the legend take home the Willie O'Ree uh award and hey I gotta say if he wins it you should try to convince him to get our names in his thanking speech I mean, unlikely, but it'd be cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to go for it. Um, I just hope I hope I get the shout out because I, I told him I'm just I'm blasting this to everybody I know, which I have been. So hopefully at least I get a little bit of a shout out. But who, who knows with Jason? Uh, I, he, he's a beauty. Um, I just regardless, I just I would just be super happy to see him win this award.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about the Bruins as they continue their historic season. They're currently up 3-2 to two on the Flyers' end of the second, and this could be making history.
1: Yeah, I got it on the telly right now. They're playing relatively well. They just let up the, you know, the most recent goal. Um, Philly just scored relatively nice when make it 3-2, but they win today. They set the NHL record for wins in a season, which, man, <laughs> And we talked about them early in the year, I had them as a team that was like, yeah, know, they'll be They'll be on the edge of playoffs. Maybe they get in. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I wasn't in love with the rosters because, really, when it came down to the goaltending, I thought Allmark was solid. I thought Swayman was solid. And, like, you know, it would be a fair assumption to say that they're good enough overall and maybe they could play well enough with the team in front of them to win. But for Allmark to have the season that he's having, Swayman to be, like, the best backup in the league because he would be a good starter for most teams. And then for him to go add pieces like they did and step up, you know, as well as they are. This was just... This this was unpredictable. I, I I think. I mean, whenever you break a record, and it's, it's been held up in the league for a while, of course that's always unpredictable. But even if they drop it today, they still got two more games. So I got to imagine that that they break that record, which big accomplishment to the Bruins. That's that's incredible. Um, I, I I do hope just for the for the rest of regular season that they end up winning out. Just get them get them to sixty five, because you know I I want to see basically every record shattered, broken, because it just makes the sport more fun.
0: I mean, it's just ridiculous, dude. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned it. The goaltending has been absolutely phenomenal for them. I was looking at stats and Linus Olmark still sitting at his nine three eight save percentage. That's through 48 games. I'm like, oh, Swayman. had— I got had- something
1: for you in a minute as well. I just want to interrupt. Sorry. Go ahead and finish your conversation. I got something for you in a minute.
0: I'm like, oh, Swayman. He's uh played quite a bit of games too, I guess. And go over and look. Thirty-four games played with a nine two one save percentage. They're both sitting top four in the league for save percentage and, uh, Oh yeah, they're on the same team. So this Bruins team has been absolutely unreal. My dad is a Bruins fan for those of you who don't know, and he's been chirping in my ear quite a bit on how this is their year. And it sure feels like it as of right now.
1: Yeah, it it really does. It's, it's, it's just something special that's going on. So here's what I have for you right now. Um, you know, when you're looking at gold differential in the league, Couple teams doing pretty well. Um, Tampa sits at plus twenty five, which is still very solid. Like when you are twenty five, you know, above even, like that. That still obviously equates to winning games, like they have. Um, but right now, second place in the league is sixty one with the Edmonton Oilers, plus sixty one goal differential. First place in the league is the Boston Bruins at plus one twenty two, literally double,
0: <laughs> oh. absolutely insane. Oh, you love to see it, and and the best part about it too is. That second place team, the Edmonton Oilers, they have the top two point getters in the league and by far and away the top two point getters. Leon Dreisaitl has separated himself from number three, Nikita Kucherov, by 13 points. Connor McDavid has separated himself from Dreisaitl 27 points. So they have by far and away the top two point getters in the league and they're still being doubled by the Bruins. That's wild.
1: Which is just insane, and yeah, you, you gotta you gotta throw out you know or give a shout out to Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. Yeah, sure, he's getting some of these points because of who he's playing with, but he's still over 100 points. He's got triple digits right now. He's currently sitting at uh eighth in the league with 103 through 80 games. Which, regardless of who you're playing with, if you can do good enough to keep up with them and earn those minutes and get 100 plus points, like that's 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 incredible. So they have 300 point getters, which is just absolutely insane. And the other insane part is. Even with 300 point scores, they're right now only sitting at 48 wins. That that should be a team that has like 55 plus. Like it, It's a modern day NHL. You guys got to be doing a little better than that.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And briefly before we talk about Connor McDavid and his milestone that he just hit, I did want to give a little shout out to Seattle. I didn't think Seattle was going to be cracking, get it, cracking the playoffs this Shut year. <laughs> um, but sure enough, they go ahead and go do it. And this uh, this West. I didn't think much of them, you know, midseason, but teams are really starting to uh, put themselves on the map. We've got six separate teams over 100 points to Seattle Kraken. Only one win away from 100 points themselves. Whereas in the East, you only have five teams with 100 points. So the West really impressing me over the last little bit.
1: Yeah, they figured themselves out. It's still a close race, um, but they definitely stepped stepped up their game a little bit. The East is still looking a little a little bit better, as you know when you when you compare the top teams, especially. But they did figure it out. They started playing a lot better. They kind of got to beat up against some of the lesser teams in, in the conference, which helps. But it, it is a little better to see. You know, we're not going to see a team. You know, with ninety nine points finishes like a, as a you know a con- or division winner.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Chase, we mentioned Connor McTavin. Unfortunately, he stinks at hockey, but he is still setting he, milestones.
1: He's just horrible. Uh, as we're talking about, 151 points in the year, two, two games to go. Maybe he can get to 164 and get two points per game. I don't know. But Connor McDavid, just the sixth player in NHL history to have an 150-point season, which is just incredible. Obviously, Gretzky, those guys did it plenty of times. But um, so it wasn't just the sixth season ever. So like th- those guys, you know, combined for freaking like 30 of them, but Connor McDavid just crossing, crossing that threshold in the modern day NHL where the next best score is his line mate. And then after that, it's our boy Nikita Kucherov sitting 41 points below him. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's insanity, man. I, I it's hard to fathom that, uh, that, that there, there's someone like this in our sport that's just this, this dominant, but it's, it's so much fun. It is fun to watch. Um, so hats off to McDavid, doing everything and kind of keep that Oilers team alive. And it's obviously going to be like damn near impossible for him to have 13 points the next two games. But I really hope he does. I I, I would love to see someone hit a two point per game mark over a full season.
0: Yeah. Thir- 13 seems a bit of a yes. stretch.
1: Yes. Oh, oh. And also I got to mention that he's got 64 freaking goals with this, this point. It's not like, he's just racking up hundred assists. He's, he's going to win the, the rocket Richard.
0: Yeah. But here's the question. Is he un- the unanimous heart winner or do we have someone come in and try to throw it elsewhere?
1: Mike, he leads in goals, assists, points and points per game for over two games played. I, I, I think, I think he's earned it. I, if anyone votes anywhere else, like they need to not like have a vote ever again. Cause if it wasn't for Connor McDavid, Edmonton doesn't sniff the playoffs as good as Leander. S. is, he, he can't carry a team. He could be a very, Elite player for a team, but he can't carry a team. McDavid's one of the few players in in the world in any sport that can truly carry a team.
0: Hey, I don't disagree. I'm just saying,
1: well, there's going to be someone that's like, that's going to get cheeky with it, like, oh, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a Boston reporter. I'm a vote for Lena Solmark. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Guess what? They have 11 players that on any other team could contend for that award based off their play this year. So I guess he's really not that important to his team. Obviously he is, but he doesn't stand, you know, far and above the best, but they'd have 20 wins if it wasn't for Connie McDavid like that, like that they would be so safely in last place. It's not even a question.
0: Yeah. He's been absolutely unreal. And the crazy thing is we have a player coming out in this year's draft class. That has been called a better prospect than Connor McDavid himself. So really exciting to see where hockey is going at this point. So much young talent. And speaking of young talent, we see Adam Fantilli, the young player, the freshman, win the Hobie Baker over the likes of many seniors that often take this trophy home.
1: So happy you won. I would have been... Unbelievably upset because Adam Fantilli was the best player in college hockey. Not even close. It's crazy that Matthew Nye's won Big Ten Player of the Year over him. I thought it was just going to be another, you know, like old, older player favoritism. But nonetheless, Adam Fantilli just runs away with this award, in my opinion. He absolutely deserved it. 65 points, 36 games. Only the second or third freshman, I'm sorry, third freshman ever to win the Hobie Baker. Uh, Paul Korea and uh, Jack Eichel were the other two. And if it wasn't for Paul Correa's injury, he would have been a top 10 player all time in the league. Jack Eichel's obviously been very good in the league, maybe slightly not, you know, like underwhelmed, but he's been absolutely dominant. But he ended up, um, you know, winning Hobie Baker in his draft eligible season, nonetheless. And same thing with Adam Fantilli. His draft eligible season wins Hobie Baker, just dominates all season long. Um, I'm super excited to see what he's going to do in the playoffs. And also, just want to throw this out there, he should be the fourth freshman all time, because Kyle Connor got Absolutely robbed.
0: That's the facts. And uh, speaking of Fantilli and how fantastic he is, we talked about it briefly. I think it was either last week or two weeks ago. Chase says that he thinks Fantilli is the third best prospect in this class, which just shows how insane this 2023 draft class
1: is. It's so exciting. I I understand the argument that, that he should be number two and maybe Leo Carlson should be number three. I, I get all that because they play that, that center position. They they play that really coveted position in the league. And Adam Fentilich is so dominant. He's big. He's just a, he's a scoring power forward. Like is really what he is. So I, I get all that, but still, I still got to leave Mishkov, but hell dude, if you're anybody picking in the top four, maybe Mishkov slips a little bit, maybe you could get him five, six, seven, anybody picking in that range is just incredibly lucky this year. Yeah. It sucked that your team was bad, or maybe you won the lottery, but you get one, one of these four guys, like any of these four, I should say, would go first overall and damn near every other draft. So you just, you're getting absolute gift here. So it's so fun to watch this influx of talent, especially the super high end talent.
0: And it's going to be so exciting to watch the draft lottery as well, because of how high the stakes are. It's going to be a good one for oh, sure. Yeah. So fun to look forward to so many different things in the sports world in the next coming weeks. But today we end it with a hockey name of the day, a nice simple one, but we got alliteration and one of my favorite things in the world, Bob beers.
1: Yeah, dude, what a name, right? What a name. Yeah. So Bob beers, our boy last played in the 1999, 2000 season for the Providence Bruins. He is an American boy from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, defenseman, six foot two, 203 pounds was a 10th round pick by the Boston Bruins back in the 1985 draft and you know for a 10th round pick he got a lot of NHL games that's the name that, that people might know um 258 games 107 points you know did did very well um was a very good player in the American League as well 217 games 122 points um spent a you know a couple seasons across across a couple of different leagues ended up playing some college hockey but just you know a, a great name um you know cool that we could get an older player in NHL that you know some people might actually know that this, this guy too, but it, it really has everything going for it. Simple for you, alliteration for both of us, and then who doesn't love some beers?
0: And if it's not the perfect Boston Bruin name, I don't know what is. I mean, you think of just right? drunk drunk fans that just love beer. You're thinking the Boston Bruins through and through. Man, this guy hits all the notes.
1: He, he really does, man. He's a beauty.
0: That's going to do it for the show. Chase, if you would. Be so kind and hit him with an outro.
1: I think I'll just do that. I want to thank you guys for listening. You can go follow us on Twitter at Bold's Broadcast. It's at Bold's Broadcast. You can go follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. It's at HockeyPodNet. Or you can go follow the WNP on Twitter at no, WNP SportsPod. That, that's how you say it. WNP SportsPod. Make sure to go to the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You can find all the podcast network right there. Boom, click the logo. That's an easy peasy lemon squeezy. We're well, are listening. Raise five stars. Since your questions, comments, concerns, we'd appreciate it. Whatever you do, don't forget to use code THPN when you sign up for draft games.
0: Thanks so much for coming out. We'll talk to you next time.